Volume two, chapter eight of the day will come by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter eight. My eyes are dim with childish tears, my heart is idly stirred, for the same sound is in my ears which in those days I heard. That suggestion of Cuthbert Ramsay's of latent madness in the lodge keeper came upon Theodore like a flash of lurid light and gave a new colour to all his thoughts it was in vain that his friend reminded him of the wide distinction between the fury of the homicidal lunatic and the settled melancholy of a mind warped by misfortune after that conversation in the park he was haunted by mrs porter's image and he found his mind distracted between two opposite ideas one pointing to the man who had claimed mrs danvers as his wife the deserted and betrayed husband of james dalbrook's mistress the other dwelling upon the image of this woman living at his kinsman's gate with an existence which was unsatisfactorily explained by the scanty facts which he had been able to gather about her former history he recalled her conduct about her daughter her cold and almost vindictive rejection of the penitent sinner her stern resolve to stand alone in the world was that madness or the consciousness of guilt or what it was conduct too unnatural to be accounted for easily considerate how he might he had heard often enough of fathers refusing to be reconciled with erring or disobedient children the flinty hardness of a father's heart has become proverbial but an unforgiving mother seems an anomaly in nature he determined upon confiding ramsay's opinion and his own doubts to lord cheriton without delay whatever abnormal circumstances there had been in mrs porter's history her benefactor was likely to be acquainted with them and if those circumstances had affected her intellect it was vital that he should be made aware of the fact before evil of any kind could arise he contrived an after-dinner stroll upon the terrace with his kinsman as upon the previous evening and entered upon the subject without loss of time ramsay and i took our afternoon tea with mrs porter he said indeed how did that come about she is not a sociable person in a general way or accessible to strangers it was to gratify a fancy of ramsay's that i went there he admired her cottage and was interested in her history and took it into his head that she was a woman of exceptional character he was not far wrong there i believe mrs porter is a very hard nut to crack i never have been able to fathom her and yet with your knowledge of her previous history you must have the safest clue to her character i don't know about that there is nothing exceptional in her history and there is much that is exceptional in her character as your friend says pray what was the result of his observation of the lady in the leisure of afternoon tea-drinking he believed that he saw the traces of madness in her countenance and manner madness either past present or impending he could not decide which there was not light enough upon the terrace to show theodore any change in his cousin's countenance but the movement of lord cheriton's hand as he took the cigar from his mouth and the sudden slackening of his pace were sufficient indications of troubled thought it could hardly be pleasant for him to hear so melancholy a suggestion about the pensioner whom he had established in comfort at his gate intending that she should enjoy his bounty for all the days of her life upon what does your friend base this fantastical notion he asked angrily upon physiological and psychological evidence you can question him if you like it appears to me that you ought to know the truth i have no objection to hear anything he may have to say but it is very unlikely i shall be influenced by him these young men who are by way of being savants are full of crochets and theories they look at everyone as darwin looked at a virginia creeper or a cowship 
with a preconceived notion that they must find out something about him i believe mrs porter with her calm impassable nature is much better able to reckon up your friend ramsay than he is able to come up to a correct opinion about her i should like to discuss the question with him at any rate said theodore the horror of last year's calamity is a reason you should have nobody about the estate whom you cannot trust what do you mean i mean that while you have madness at your gate you may have murder in your house theodore you cannot be so cruel as to associate that unhappy woman with godfrey carmichael's death god knows that murder has to be accounted for somehow can you as juanita's father no rest or peace till it has been accounted for i could not in your place i hope you do not think it necessary to teach me my duty to my daughter said lord cheriton coldly and theodore felt that he had said too much his cousin addressed him upon some indifferent subject a minute or so afterwards when he had lighted a fresh cigar and his manner resumed its usual friendliness there was no further mention of mrs porter that night but on sunday lord cheriton walked home from church with cuthbert ramsay and questioned him as to his impressions about the lodge-keeper theodore has exaggerated the significance of my remark explained cuthbert i take it mrs porter's case is one of slight aberration brought on by much brooding upon troubles real or imaginary if my power to diagnose is worth anything her mind has lost its balance her thoughts have lost their adjusting power she is like a piece of mechanism that has got out of square and will only work one way you may hardly consider that this amounts to madness and i may have done wrong in speaking of it only were mrs porter concerned in my existence i should feel it incumbent on me to watch her and i recommend you to have her watched so far as it can be done without alarming or annoying her i will do what i can i will get another opinion from a man of long experience in mental cases i have an old friend in the medical profession a specialist who has made mental disease the study of his life he will give me any advice i want you cannot do better than get his opinion of mrs porter if you are interested in her welfare i am interested in all who are dependent upon me and in her especially on account of old associations lady carmichael drove over to cheriton after luncheon upon one of those sunday visits which she paid from time to time in deference to her father albeit she could never approach the house without pain she came in the useful family landau which had carried the mrs carmichael to tennis parties dinners and dances before they married and which now conveyed the nurse and baby on their visits to cheriton she came for what lady cheriton called a long afternoon and she was received in the library which was now the most used room in the house no one cared to occupy that fatal drawing-room and although it was always accessible and there was a feint of daily occupation its cold elegance was for the most part untenanted and over all there hung a cloud of fear to-day for the first time theodore discovered numerous alterations in the arrangement of pictures and furniture in the hall he had promised cuthbert to show him the portraits of the strangways and most particularly that picture of the squire's three children painted nearly forty years before but he found that this picture among others had been removed and that a fine rhodian plate occupied its place on the dark oak panelling he noticed the fact to his cousin i am sorry to miss the family group he said it was a really interesting picture interesting to you perhaps who knew the history of the race answered lord cheriton but very uninteresting to a stranger i think i've made an improvement over there that plate is a splendid bit of colour and lights up a dark corner but that was not my motive 
i wanted to make such trifling alterations as would change the aspect of the hall for juanita without any ostensible refurnishings i have done the same thing in the library the changes there are slight but the room is not as it was when she and her husband occupied it i should like to show ramsay the strangway portraits if they are get at able they are not just at present the canvases were rotting and i have sent them to london to be lined you can show them to your friend by and by when i get them back mr ramsay's thoughts seemed a long way from the strangway portraits this afternoon although he had expressed a curiosity as to the lineaments of that luckless race he was out in the garden in lady cheriton's rose garden with juanita and her son and was giving further proofs of his adaptability to infantile society the grandmother was of the party looking on with profound admiration at that phase of awakening intellect which is described as taking notice it was held now as an established fact that the infant godfrey james dalbrook took notice and that his notice dwelt with a special favour upon cuthbert ramsay i think it must be because you are so tall and big said juanita lightly he feels your power and he wants to conciliate you artful little beggar no that is much too low a view there is a magnetic affinity between us love at first sight when babies do take a fancy they are thoroughly in earnest about it loafing about in the new cut sometimes studying human nature from the saturday night point of view i have had a poor woman's baby take a fancy to me a poor little elfin creature a year old perhaps and not half so big as this bloated aristocrat a sour-smelling baby which would give you mal au coeur lady carmichael and the wretched little waif would hook on to my elephantine finger and cleave to me as if i were its mother oh how sorry i felt for such a baby with the pure starry eyes of infancy shining in the flabby withered face that has grown old for want of cold water and fresh air for such infancy and for stray dogs i have suffered acutest agonies of pity and yet i have done nothing only pitied and passed on that is the worst of us we can all pity but we don't act upon the divine impulse you may be sure the levite felt very sorry for the wounded traveller though he did not see his way to helping him this was one of cuthbert's tirades which he was wont to indulge in when he found himself in congenial society and juanita's society was particularly congenial to him he felt as if no other woman had ever sympathized with him or understood him and he gave her credit for doing both never had he felt so happy in the society of any woman as he felt in this sunlit garden to-day among the roses which were just now blooming in a riotous luxuriance the branching heads of standards top-heavy with great balls of blossom swaying gently in the summer wind he had expected to see her a gloomy creature self-conscious in her grief but the child's little fingers had loosened her heart-strings if she was not gay she was at least able to endure gaiety in others she listened to the young man's rhapsodies and paradoxes with a gentle smile she admired her mother's roses she cast no shadow upon the quiet happiness of the summer afternoon that tranquil contentedness which belongs to the loveliness of nature and which makes a blessed pause in the story of human passion and human discontent it was one of those summer afternoons which make one say to oneself could life be always thus what a blessed thing it were to live and then the sound of evening bells break the spell and the shadows creep across the woods and it is dinner-time and all that halcyon peace is over how lovely she looked in her simply made black gown with its closely fitting bodice and straight flowing skirt of that thick lustreless silk which falls in such statuesque folds the plain little white crape cap seemed in perfect harmony with that raven hair and pure white forehead 
she was unlike any other woman cuthbert ramsay had ever known there was not one touch of society slang nor of the society manner of looking at life she had passed through the fiery ordeal of two london seasons unscorched in the furnace love had been the purifying influence she had never lived upon the excitement of everyday pleasures and volatile loves the intermittent fever of flirtations and engagements that are on and off half a dozen times in a season the influence that guided all her thoughts and all her actions had been one steadfast and single-minded love she had cared for no praises but from her lover's lips she had dressed and danced and played and sung for none other than he and now in her devotion to her child there was the same concentration and simplicity she did not know that she was looking her loveliest in that severe black gown and white cap she did not know that cuthbert ramsay admired her far too much for his peace she only felt that he was very sincere in his devotion to the baby and that he was a clever young man whose society suggested new ideas and made her for the moment forgetful of her grief it was evening before she left cheriton she had stayed later than usual and the shadows were creeping over the park as she walked to the west gate with theodore and his friend the carriage following slowly with nurse and baby ensconced among light fleecy wraps lest vesper breezes should visit the human blossom too roughly theodore had proposed the walk across the park and juanita had assented immediately i am always glad of a walk she said i have so few excuses for a ramble nowadays i have to stay at home to take care of baby you doubt the capabilities of that highly experienced nurse asked ramsay laughingly i doubt every one but myself and i sometimes doubt even my own discretion where my precious one is concerned you will have more reason to doubt by and by when your precious one is old enough to be spoilt said theodore he has begun to take notice and before very long he will notice that he is monarch of all he surveys and that everybody about him is more or less his slave he will live in that atmosphere till you send him to eton and then he will find himself suddenly confronted with the hard cruel world of strictly republican boyhood which will jostle and hustle him with ruthless equality lady cheriton had business in london early in the following week she was going to london to see her dentist and her dressmaker the latter being one of the arbiters of fashion who never go out of their way to wait upon their clients but who do the rather exact reverence and attention from those clients she had shopping to do at the west end of london that shopping which is so delightful to a lady who spends two-thirds of the year in the country above all she had things to get at the stores an institution which was dear to lady cheriton's heart in spite of all her husband's lectures upon political economy and the necessity of sustaining private enterprise and the shopkeeping interest hearing of the engagements and that lady cheriton intended to spend two nights in victoria street theodore suggested that he should be allowed to accompany her ladyship to london and to arrange a meeting between her and the young woman who called herself marian gray if you really wish to help her he concluded i do really wish it answered lord cheriton earnestly and the sooner the matter is put in hand the better pleased i shall be shall my wife call on this person she is very proud and very reserved it might be better to bring about a meeting which would appear accidental marian goes for a walk with miss newton once or twice a week i could arrange with her good friend that they should be walking in a particular place battersea park for instance at a certain hour and lady cheriton could drive that way with me and we could meet them it would be the easiest way of arriving at the truth as to marian gray's identity with mercy porter very good you might suggest that to my wife lady cheriton who was the soul of good nature fell in at once with theodore's idea 
i would do anything in my power to help that poor girl she said for i think her sadly to be pitied her girlhood was so dull and joyless such a ceaseless round of lessons and practice without any of those pleasures to which most schoolgirls look forward her mother seemed to take a pride in keeping the girl apart from every one in dressing her plainly and in making her whole life as dreary as she could i hardly wonder that the poor hopeless creature surrendered to the first tempter a man whose manner to women had always been called irresistible even by women of the world and a man who would not shrink from any amount of falsehood in pursuing his wicked aim and now she is paying forfeit for her sin with a lonely life of toil in a london garret poor mercy she was so pretty and so refined a lady in all her instincts cuthbert ramsay left on monday promising to return at the end of the week and theodore went up to town with lady cheriton on the following wednesday he went straight from the terminus to wedgwood street where he saw miss newton told her of lord cheriton's benevolent intentions to marion alias mercy and arranged the walk in battersea park for the following afternoon miss newton and her protege were to be walking upon the pathway beside the river at a half-past three o'clock when lady cheriton would drive that way miss newton had no difficulty in carrying out her part of the little plot marian was always ready to put aside her work for the pleasure of an afternoon with that one friend to whom her heart was ever open she met miss newton at the starting-place of the tram-car and they rode through the dusty crowded highways to the people's park where the flower-beds were gaudy with the rank luxuriance that is the beginning of the end of summer's good things and where the geranium leaves were riddled by voracious slugs there was a dustiness and worn-out air upon all the foliage and all the flowers despite the coolness that came from the swiftly flowing river an air of fading and decay which pervades even the outermost regions of london when the season is over and the world of fashion has fled the air of a theatre when the play is done and the lights are extinguished sarah newton and her young friend walked slowly along the gravel pathway looking dreamily at the bright river with its gay movement of passing boats and flowing waters the elder of the two friends who was wont to be full of cheery talk of newspapers and books the history of the present and the history of the past was to-day unusually grave and silent i'm afraid you are not well dear miss newton said marian looking at her anxiously oh yes my dear i am well enough you know i am made of cast iron and except for the toothache or a cold in my head i hardly know what illness means i am only a little thoughtful they walked a few paces in silence and then miss newton stopped suddenly to admire an approaching carriage what a stylish victoria why i declare there is mr dalbrook with a lady the carriage drew up as she spoke and theodore alighted marian had reddened a little at the mention of his name but the flush upon her cheek deepened to crimson when she saw the lady in the carriage and as the lady got out and came towards her the crimson faded to a deadly white mercy child i am glad with all my heart to find you said lady cheriton holding out both her hands she was determined that there should be no doubt in the young girl's mind as to her friendship and indulgence that there should be nothing in the mode of her approach in the tone of her voice or the expression of her countenance that could bruise that broken reed love and pity looked out of those lovely southern eyes which even in mature age retained much of their youthful beauty mercy porter went towards her trembling and with eyes brimming with tears the calm self-restrained nature had melted all at once at those gentle words in the familiar voice which had given her words of kindness and of praise in her desolate childhood the transformation filled theodore with wonder dear lady cheriton 
i thought you would long ago have forgotten the wretched girl to whom you were once so kind she faltered no mercy i have never forgotten you i have always been sorry deeply sorry for you and when mr dalbrook told me about having met a person who interested him a person associated with cheriton i knew that person must be you my dear girl i thank god that we have found you my cousin will call upon you to-morrow and talk to you about your future and of our plans for making your life happier than it is there is no need said mercy quickly i get on very well as i am my life is quite good enough for me i hope for nothing better wish for nothing better nonsense mercy his lordship and i are your friends and we mean to help you i will accept help from no one lady cheriton i made up my mind about that long ago i can earn my own living very well now if ever my fingers or my eyes fail me i can go to the workhouse i am deeply thankful for your pity but i ask for no more i will accept no more we will see about that mercy said lady cheriton with her gentle smile quite unable to estimate the mental force in opposition to her she could understand a certain resistance the pride of a sensitive nature painfully conscious of disgrace unable to forget the past she was prepared for a certain amount of difficulty in reconciling this proud nature to the acceptance of benefits but she never for one moment contemplated an implacable resistance let me see your friend mercy she said the lady who has been kind to you kind is a poor word she has been my angel of deliverance she has saved me from the great dismal swamp of self-abasement and despair miss newton had walked briskly ahead with theodore so as to leave lady cheriton and mercy together mercy ran after her friend and brought her back a little way as lady cheriton advanced to meet her miss newton my one true and good friend in all this great world of london and the only friend of my miserable childhood lady cheriton said mercy looking from one to the other with that intent look of thoughtful minds that work in narrow grooves i thank you for being good to one in whose fate i am warmly interested miss newton said lady cheriton you have done the work of the good samaritan and at least one wounded heart blesses you they walked on a little way together and lady cheriton spoke of the old house and the old family the vanished race with which sarah newton had been associated in her girlhood they are all dead i understand she said in conclusion yes there is none left of the old family they are not a fortunate race and i fear there are few who regret them but i cannot help feeling sorry that they are all gone they have passed away like a dream when one awakens lady cheriton lingered on the riverside pathway for nearly half an hour talking to mercy and miss newton theodore left them together after having obtained mercy's permission to call at her lodgings on the following afternoon End of chapter eight